They were some of the biggest comic actors of their time, influencing comedians for generations to come. Today we're talking about the Marx Brothers in Chicago. We'll also look at what happened to some of the places the Marx Brothers frequented back in the Chicago area during their time here. I'm Tommy Henry, and this is the Chicago History Podcast. For those of you not familiar with the Marx Brothers, I'm hopeful this episode spikes your interest in these guys. If so, please check out some of the Marx Brothers movies widely available on streaming services and physical media for purchase or for loan through your local library. In their films Duck Soup, Animal Crackers, Horse Feathers, and Monkey Business, their comedic wit is on full display. For those of you unfamiliar with vaudeville, a brief explanation may be helpful. From the 1880s through the 1920s, vaudeville was the most popular form of entertainment in the U.S. before motion pictures with sound captured the attention of American audiences. Vaudeville performers included dancers, singers, magicians, contortionists. They offered burlesque acts, uh, told jokes, roller skated while juggling, did ventriloquist acts, anything to keep audiences in seats and to make a buck. Sam Marks and Minnie Schoenberg, both children of Jewish immigrants, met, fell in love, and eventually married in January of 1885 and moved to New York City's Upper East Side at 354 East 62nd Street. Sam was a tailor, and many came from a show business family. Their firstborn son, Manfred, was born in 1886, but died at seven months, likely of complications related to influenza. The Marx family welcomed another son a year later when Leonard, later more commonly known as Chico, was born. Adolf, who later changed his name to Arthur, was born in 1888. He'll be referred to as Harpo during the rest of this episode. Julius Henry, a.k.a. Groucho, followed in 1890. Milton, called Gummo, joined the family in 1893. And young Herbert, later called Zeppo, entered the scene in 1901, 14 years younger than his oldest brother. The Marx boys were encouraged to be performers from a young age. School was not as much of a priority. Harpo spoke of being bullied at school and left around second grade. While Groucho was a bit of a bookworm and talked about becoming a doctor, he didn't make it past age 12 at school before he was encouraged to drop out to work to help contribute to the family. From 1895 to 1909, the Marx family lived at 179 East 93rd Street in Manhattan. That building is still there. Minnie Marx's brother, who went by the stage name L. Sheen, became successful on the vaudeville stages of New York with Minnie's help. Minnie, perhaps sensing an in with brother Al's success, went around all the talent agencies in New York promoting her sons as the next big vaudeville act. 
From 1905 to 1909, various versions of the Marx Brothers Act, often under a variety of names, performed all over the Midwest and the Northeast, as well as Canada. The stories of being on the road sound rough. Still in their teens, they had to deal with unscrupulous promoters and anti-Semitism that often made it difficult to even find rooms for the night in the towns in which they were performing. In the crowded vaudeville landscape of New York in the early 1900s, it became more and more difficult to find theaters that would book the teenaged Marx Brothers. A change needed to be made. Chicago was also a big vaudeville town at the time, and being more centrally located, it would be easier to travel to nearby venues to perform without having to be too far from home. One morning, I shot an elephant in my pajamas. How he got in my pajamas, I don't know. Minnie and Sam, along with their five sons and a few other members of their extended family, headed west, picking up shows in towns along the way. Arriving in Chicago in late 1909, the family took up residence at a boarding house apartment at 4649 Calumet Avenue on the city's south side. Minnie Marks, referring to herself professionally as Minnie Palmer, once again began visiting all the local booking agents in search of work for her talented sons. While the older brothers, as Zeppo was barely nine, had been performing as the Four Nightingales, the musical troupe took a new approach in Chicago, adding two new singers and calling themselves the Six Mascots. The two new additions included the now 45-year-old Minnie Marks slash Palmer and their Aunt Hannah, now 47. By adding two new members, many figured they'd be able to make $100 more per show. I should mention, Ma Minnie and Aunt Hannah, both in their mid to late 40s, would play schoolgirls in the act. Their first performance after moving to Chicago was at the Star Vaudeville Theater in Elgin, Illinois, on December 20th, 1909. The Marx Brothers, in one form or another, would return to Elgin again in 1912 and in 1914, both times playing at the Grand Theater at 40 South Grove Street. The Grand Theater was later destroyed by a tornado on Palm Sunday, March 1920, killing married couple Sam and Ada Beverly, two performers who were preparing for that evening's show. Their bodies were found in the wreckage. A new theater called the Rialto was built on the site of the Grand. The Rialto burned down in 1956. The Fountain Square condominiums now occupy the site. Nineteen ten was not a great year for the six mascots. Getting gigs proved difficult, although they did find a spot in March of 1910 at Chicago's Pekin Theater, which opened in 1905 at 2700 South State Street as the first theater in Chicago to feature African-American performers and interracial audiences. The Marx family continued touring around the country, including a stop at the Tavern Theater in Joliet, Illinois. This 350-seat theater opened in 1908 as the Star Theater before being renamed the Tavern one year later. 
It became the Drexel Theater in 1914, was called the Crystal Theater in 1915, and was closed by 1938. This side of the building, on what is now the northeast corner of Cass and Collins Streets, now boasts an auto zone. December 5, 1910, Julius Marx's School Kids opened a three-day engagement at the Star Theater in Aurora, Illinois. It was the only known instance of the act billed under Julius's name. Sir, you try my patience. I don't mind if I do. You must come over and try mine sometime. Now, the Marx Brothers had started gaining traction and began pulling in more money per performance. It was time to move from their small apartment at 47th and Calumet Avenue. Next stop, a three-story home at 4512 South Grand Boulevard, now called King Drive. Although the actual date of the move is a little hazy, the New York Clipper reported in their June 28, 1913 issue, Minnie Palmer, Chicago's only lady producer of vaudeville attractions, sole owner of the four Marx Brothers Mr. Green's Reception, recently bought a handsome home on Grand Boulevard, Chicago. The Marx family reportedly put $1,000 down with a $20,000 mortgage. All in, that's just over $600,000 in today's money. The mortgage holder was Moses E. Greenbaum, president of Greenbaum Sons Banking Company, a prominent Chicago institution at the time. Greenbaum was not only the debt holder, but his name was also used to keep the boys in line. As Groucho later shared, quote, Lots of times when we were on stage and started fooling around, my mother would stand in the wings and whisper, Greenbaum. We knew that that meant if we didn't behave ourselves, we'd be canceled and not have enough money to meet the mortgage payments. End quote. In late July 1913, the four Marx Brothers began a new tour based on their fun in high school. School is spelled S-K-O-O-L. Mr. Green's reception. First stop, the Barrison Theater in Waukegan, Illinois, roughly 45 miles north of downtown Chicago. The Barrison was another vaudeville house that was part of their circuit. At their first appearance there, back in 1911, they met a 17-year-old musician working in the orchestra pit named Benjamin Kubelski. Kubelski so impressed Minnie Marx that she invited him to travel with the Marx Brothers, playing violin and conducting the pit bands. Young Kubelski's mother was not a fan of the idea of her son being on the road with vaudeville performers, so he was forced to decline. Later, Kubelski found success in Hollywood under his stage name, Jack Benny. Benny and Groucho Marx would later appear on each other's TV shows in the 1950s, some 45 years after they first met. Once located at 25 South Genesee Street, the Barrison Theater opened in 1910 as the Waukegan Theater, before being renamed one year later as the New Barrison. Ten years later, in 1921, it became the Orpheum Theater. It was renovated into a 600-seat theater and renamed once again in 1934 as the Rialto Theater when it became part of the Public's Great States Theaters chain. It closed in 1953 and is now an open green space. Oh, 
I have an and because Chicago for you. Ready? And because Chicago, the November 14th, 1913 issue of Variety reported, quote, Minnie Palmer's Studebaker automobile was stolen from her garage Saturday night. She has offered a reward for its return, end quote. Uh, no word on whether she ever got it back. Remember, you're fighting for this woman's honor, which is probably more than she ever did. In 1914, while in Galesburg, Illinois, about 45 miles northwest of Peoria, Illinois, comic Art Fisher gave the Marx Boys the nicknames for which they would be known for the rest of their lives. Calling Julius Groucho, Herbert became Zeppo, Adolf, now going by Arthur, became Harpo, and Leonard, Chico, and Milton became Gummo. When they weren't performing... Groucho, Harpo, and Gummo spent their time exploring the city and going to baseball games. As the White Sox ballpark was less than two miles away from their Grand Boulevard home, they could watch Ty Cobb and Shoeless Joe Jackson before the World Series Black Sox scandal derailed his career. Between 1915 and 1917, the Marx Brothers continued their hectic touring schedule, playing in cities in Illinois such as Springfield, Rockford, Aurora, Decatur, Cairo, Champaign, and others. Now, there are a few different versions of the following story, but the result was the same. Shortly after the U.S. entered World War I in 1917, Minnie Marks bought a 27-acre farm in what was then LaGrange, Illinois, and is now suburban countryside, Illinois, on the northeast corner of LaGrange Road and Joliet Road. The family had heard that farmers responsible for feeding America would be exempt from the draft. To their credit, all of the Marx boys of age went to a Chicago recruiting station to enlist in the Illinois Infantry and were all rejected. One for defective eyes, one for flat feet, one for physical incompatibility because of the result of an operation, and one other for general reasons. When the second draft came around, Minnie Marks devised a plan involving Gummo who had never really been terribly excited about performing. Quote, My mother and I were driving from the farm to Chicago, recalled Gummo almost 60 years later. She said, Gummo, I must talk to you. There are five Marx brothers, but Zeppo is too young to be drafted, and Chico is married. If Groucho or Harpo had to go into service, it would break up the act. Gummo followed his mother's wishes and enlisted in the Air Force, but by the time all the paperwork was done, and possibly with some wrangling from Minnie Marks, he never saw combat and spent his time driving around Chicago introducing captains to showgirls. In the Marx Brothers scrapbook, Groucho claimed that while living on the farm, they bought about 200 chickens, but they couldn't get them to lay. They didn't want to be embarrassed when guests came over, so they went to the store and bought some eggs and put them underneath the chickens. Groucho later recalled, quote, When we first got the farm, we made sure to get up every morning at 4 o'clock. After a while, we got up at 5 o'clock, then 6, then 7, then 8, and then Chico discovered that LaGrange was near the Chicago ballpark. We didn't farm anymore, 
but we made sure to catch the CBQ train to the ballpark to see the Cubs. Speaking of chickens, the proper pronunciation, Leonard Marx's nickname, is indeed Chico. According to Groucho in a later interview, his brother was a big fan of the ladies, referred to as chickens back then, later shortened to chicks, so they called him Chico. I've seen a handful of interviews where he is referred to as Chico, and he rarely corrects the host. In January of 1919, the Marx Brothers performed at the Wilson Avenue Theater, once located at 1050 West Wilson Avenue, just east of Broadway. They had been on this stage before in 1910, 1912, and 1914. This venue would be converted to a bank not long after their 1919 performance, and although shuttered for many years, it was recently announced it would become a performance venue once again when the rock club Double Door finishes their renovation of the building. You know you haven't stopped talking since I came here? You must have been vaccinated with a phonograph needle. We'll be right back. Are you a Caribbean American? Are you looking for a podcast that truly speaks to your culture and identity? Look no further than Carry On Friends, the ultimate destination for all things Caribbean American, hosted by me, Carrie Ann. Dive deep into topics such as culture, heritage, and everyday life through the unique lens of the Caribbean American experience. You'll walk away feeling more connected to your roots. Follow and listen on Apple Podcasts so you'll never miss an episode of Carry On Friends, the Caribbean American experience. Your Caribbean American community awaits. Groucho Marx, who was divorced three times in his life, met his first wife, Ruth Tyrell, in Chicago. 29-year-old Marx married 19-year-old Tyrell, a Hyde Park High School graduate, on February 4, 1920. The couple was married at the home of the bride's parents, Mr. and Mrs. John Delano, at 6115 South Calumet Avenue, about a mile from the boarding house where the Marx family first lived, when they arrived in Chicago. Also by 1920, the Marx family had sold the farm in LaGrange, now countryside, and moved back to the Grand Boulevard house. In the autumn of that year, the Marx family left Chicago altogether, returning to New York with their sights set on doing musicals on Broadway. By 1924, they made that leap to Broadway with their musical comedy review, I'll Say She Is. Two more Broadway hits followed, The Coconuts in 1925 and Animal Crackers in 1928. The latter two would be the basis for two of their motion pictures. After all those years on the road and the many stage performances, the hard work by the Marx Brothers paid off with the release of their first motion picture, The Coconuts, on August 3rd, 1929. Sadly, just a few weeks later, the driving force behind the Marx Brothers' quest for fame, Minnie Marx, died at age 64 in New York City. 
From December 22nd, 1929 through March 1st, 1930, the brothers were back in Chicago performing their stage version of Animal Crackers at the Grand Opera House on Clark Street between Randolph and Washington Streets. The film of the same name, based on their stage musical, was released in August of 1930. The four Marx Brothers were back on tour in the fall of 1930. They arrived in Chicago in November of that year for a six-day run at the RKO Palace Theater on Randolph Street with a show called The Schweinerei, a collection of highlights from all three of their major stage shows. On November 7th, the night before their shows were to begin, Groucho was stricken with severe abdominal pain and taken to Chicago's Michael Reese Hospital. Diagnosed with severe acute appendicitis, an operation to remove his appendix was performed the following morning. That afternoon, the matinee show went on as scheduled while Groucho was laid up in the hospital, Fortunately for the brothers, during those early days of vaudeville, they had all learned to understudy each other's roles. Days later, industry newspaper Variety reported, quote, Zeppo Marx, who usually works straight, assumed his brother's trick mustache and cutaway and gave a creditable performance Saturday matinee with the public unaware of the missing brother. Seemingly, it was Zeppo who was absent. Sudden Switch had all three of the performing brothers doing each other's stuff to fill the gap. End quote. Not having Groucho on stage caused a bit of upheaval with the RKO booking office as they were reluctant to pay the $9,000 per week, slightly less than $155,000 in today's money, if audiences were only getting three, not four Marx Brothers. Groucho eventually returned to the stage. In 1931, the Marx Brothers packed up their families and moved to California, where they would spend the rest of their lives. Of course, they would still return to Chicago, as they did in November of 1931, for a six-day run with their stage show, Napoleon's Return, at the Palace Theater. Ads for the Palace read, Join in the throngs for the longest, loudest, lustiest laugh in town. And also four Marx Brothers in person. Your Excellency, the ambassador's here on a friendly visit. He's had a change of heart. A lot of good that'll do him. He's still got the same face. Opened in 1926 as the flagship of Vaudeville's 50 Theater Orpheum Circuit, the 2300-plus-seat palace was designed by famed theater architects Rap and Rap. This is another performing arts venue that converted into a movie theater not long after the Marx Brothers appeared here in 1931. As the RKO Palace Theater, it showed movies until the 1950s when cinemas experienced a downturn in attendance, primarily due to air conditioning and TVs now prevalent in U.S. homes. The neighboring Bismarck Hotel purchased the theater in the 1970s and turned it into a banquet hall by removing the seats on the orchestra level. In the 1980s, it took on a new life as a concert venue called the Bismarck Theater, welcoming acts such as Johnny Cash, Lou Reed, Echo and the Bunnymen, Miles Davis, James Brown, Santana, and others. 
Starting in 1996, the by then rarely used venue underwent a $74.5 million renovation and restoration, finally reopening in 1999. $20 million of that cost was reportedly contributed by the Ford Motor Company, which got them some naming rights. The former Palace Theater turned Bismarck Theater now operates as the Cadillac Palace Theater, one of the premier houses for live theater and one of the Broadway in Chicago venues. Even though their movies made the Marx Brothers huge stars in the 1930s, they continued to tour all over the country, including a one-week run at the Chicago Theater in May of 1940. By 1941, the brothers disbanded to follow solo careers and spend time with their growing families. In 1947, Groucho returned to the Chicago area to perform on two broadcasts on Bing Crosby's Philco Radio Time Show, the first recorded in April at the United States Veterans Administration Hospital in suburban Hines, Illinois, followed by a May performance at the Great Lakes Naval Training Center north of Chicago. The Marx Brothers produced 13 films during two decades, and five of those were selected by the American Film Institute, or AFI, as among the top 100 comedy films. Two of the Marx Brothers films, Duck Soup in 1933 and A Night at the Opera in 1935, are in the top 15. Groucho Marx went on to solo success on TV with shows like You Bet Your Life and numerous late-night appearances. Harpo and Chico performed less frequently, while Gummo and Zeppo left show business and became successful entertainment managers. As for comics influenced by the Marx Brothers, Woody Allen cites Groucho Marx as one of his inspirations and mentions the brothers in films like the Academy Award-winning Annie Hall, from 1977. Allen's 1989 film, Everyone Says I Love You, even took its name from a Marx Brothers song found in their 1932 film, Horse Feathers. Monty Python has been compared to the Marx Brothers, and Python John Cleese admits that Groucho Marx was a hero of his. Judd Apatow, director of such films as Trainwreck, This is 40, and The 40-Year-Old Virgin, said in an interview that when he was in fifth grade, he paid a friend $30 to write out a paper he'd already written on the Marx Brothers simply because the other kid had better handwriting than Judd. And the paper wasn't for a class. It was for, as Apatow stated, his own personal use. Groucho Marx ended his 1959 book Groucho and Me with a story set in Chicago. I think I can best sum it up by relating what happened to me not so long ago. I was walking down State Street in Chicago when a middle-aged couple came up and began circling me. They went around two or three times, looking me over as though I were a creature from outer space. Then the wife hesitantly came over and asked, You're him, aren't you? You're Groucho. I nodded. She then touched me timidly on the arm and said, Please don't die. Just keep on living. Who could ask for anything more? The Marx family house at 4512 South King Boulevard is still standing with a sign out front to remind passers-by of its connection to the Marx brothers and their time here in Chicago. 
the greatest city in the world. listening to today's episode about the Marx Brothers in Chicago. This episode was written, produced, and narrated by me, Tommy Henry. The primary source for this episode was the exhaustively researched book by Robert S. Bader called Four of the Three Musketeers, the Marx Brothers on Stage. I have a brief list of links to books like the Bader one, as well as other related books and items in the show's notes, as well as on the Chicago History Podcast website at chicagohistorypod.com. If you or someone you know is a history nerd like me who would like to learn more, anything ordered through those links, not just the items listed, may earn a small commission for the podcast and help offset production costs at no additional cost to you. If you don't already, please follow the show on social media as I update Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram throughout the week with articles, pictures, and behind-the-scenes whatnot to enhance the episodes. As always, if you have questions about anything covered today, anything to add or have an idea for a future episode, I'd love to hear about it. Send me an email at chicagohistorypod at gmail.com. The amazing original art for the Chicago History Podcast used on these social media pages was created by John K. Schneider. Gracias, hermano. He can be found at AngelEyesArtJKS on Instagram or via email at AngelEyesArtJKS at gmail.com. I will be back soon with more stories from Chicago's history. Until then, get out and explore when possible. Learn more about whatever city you live in and stay safe.